special Advent edition of Outside the Walls. I'm so glad that you're here today as we wait in hope for all the good gifts that God has to give us. This season of Advent is a season where we embrace expectation. Uh, I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and for the next hour, we're going to be exploring the foundations of our faith, looking at the implications of our faith, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Uh, so here we are. Uh, Christmas is almost upon us. Tomorrow is the, uh, the, the fourth Sunday of the season of Advent, and that means that one week from tomorrow is Christmas. So I hope that you've got all your gifts purchased uh, and and ready to go, uh, if not in hand, at least in the process of being shipped as we speak, because we are running out of time. Mall's going to be pretty crazy today. Uh, if you are a people watcher, that's probably where you want to be. It's uh, definitely interesting. My father-in-law was a people watcher. Uh, he would go, uh, if, I, if I'm getting the story right, he would go on Christmas Eve uh, to the mall just to watch people. Uh, not, I don't know if he actually even bought anything. He just went to, to watch and experience the season uh, of, of probably utter panic of those people who were not yet uh, finished with their shopping. I'm finished with my shopping. Uh, I hope that you are too. But I do, I have a Christmas wish list. Uh, I've got three, three things on this wish list uh, that I would like to ask you to consider giving to me. Seriously, no, you love this show. Come on. It's not too much to ask for one small, small, tiny little gift. Uh, and here's what it is. Uh, I've got three things. Uh, you could do all of them. You don't have to. You, you don't really have to do any of them. But I would love, I would love for you to do one of these three things. One, if you are listening to this show on the podcast, because remember, we air live on the uh, on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network. We air on the uh, Breadbox Media network, that app platform. And then we, I also have everything on podcast. So if you listen on the podcast, why don't you consider going either to the iTunes store or to, if you're one of those Android users, go to the Google play store and leave a review of this show. Uh, the more reviews that are there specifically of positive ones, if you love the show, please, uh, the, the more reviews there are, the better chance that we have of being uh, discovered by somebody new. So that's the first thing that you could do. First thing on my Christmas wish list is for you to go over and uh, leave a review of the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, the second thing is if you're listening on the Breadbox Media Network and you've got that Breadbox Media app out, uh, then why don't you leave a review for that app uh, on the app store of your, again, of your choice. Uh, and then, of course, if you don't yet have the Breadbox Media app, go get that Breadbox Media app and then leave a review for it. And then the third thing, uh, the third thing is I want to give back to you. And so I have a few books that I'm going to give away over Christmas uh, that that could be yours if you become a friend of the show. So what's a friend of the show? It's someone who loves this show, who thinks that my jokes are the best ever. Uh, and so they, they say, Hey, I want this show to continue. Uh, I want to support it. So for $10 a month, as little as a bag of coffee a month, and be honest, you and I go through more coffee than that. Uh, for, for that low cost, you can be eligible for all the extra content, the great books that I have to give away, uh, and, and much, much more. So, uh, go over to outside the walls.com click on friend of the show and then follow the instructions there. $10 a month, and this could all be yours. 
So here we are. We're at the very end of Advent, uh, and the church isn't letting us off yet. We've gone through this season. We've we've recognized that all is not right with the world. We've recognized this. We've recognized our own need for repentance and the fact that we can't do it all on our own. Uh, we've recognized that in that there is joy. We're like, okay, I've, we've gone through the emotions. I'm done now. And the church is like, no, 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 no. Let's do one more week. That's right. Let's do let's do one more week where you still have to wait. We're going to wait a little bit longer and then we're going to wait. <laughs> and so there's this real uneasiness. Uh, I'm just ready. You know, we're ready. If you're, if you're the person who's been listening to Christmas music since, uh, since Halloween, then you're ready for Christmas to be over just because you're tired of hearing the music. But, but if you've been participating in Advent, you're still ready for Christmas to just get here already because uh, it's not Christmas yet, and I'm ready for it to be Christmas. I've experienced this longing. Uh, I'm done. I'm done with this. And I think that we get this extra week on purpose. I think that we get this extra week because the church wants to say to us, uh, the waiting is part of the journey, right? There's this scripture in uh, in the book of Hebrews that talks about they they believed in the promise that they had not yet received. They being the people in the old Testament, the prophets and the, uh, the, the children of Israel, they received this promise. Uh, Abraham received this promise in faith and he, he knew that God was going to provide it, but he died having not seen the promise and he died and he, he spent his whole life longing for and waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God. And he, and he just had to trust that it would happen. And you had the psalmists who they had lived through uh, being exiled. They'd lived through war. They'd lived through famines. And they're like, wait a second. We're supposed to be the chosen people of God. What, what gives? Uh, and so they waited and, and they longed and they were confused. And sometimes they were angry. You read the Psalms and it's like, uh, where, where are you, God? What's the deal? And, and even in that, they come back around to this idea of, but I'm still going to hope. I, I, I want to give up, but I'm still going to hope. And, uh, and then you get into the, the, the prophets, into Isaiah, who, as we're hearing him all throughout this, uh, this Advent season, we're, we're hearing this kind of dichotomy of realizing how bad things are going to get and yet speaking to the promise of what God has to offer. And, and so we want to gloss over. We want to get to the, the baby in the manger and say, hey, look, Jesus is here. All is right with the world. And, and we see really outside of the Catholic Church and, and maybe in your corner of the Catholic Church, you see this as well. But uh, in my Protestant background, you see this a lot of people wanting to skip over anything that looks remotely painful, uh, anything that looks remotely difficult to explain, the, the whole problem of evil. We want to skip over that and, and go straight to the baby in the manger and say, look, Jesus is here, all's better. Uh, you, you've got some places where the belief is if you if we can just get this visitor who's coming to our church for the first time, if we can just get them to pray the proper prayer, then uh, then Jesus will change their life and everything will be fine and dandy and and we'll put a notch in our belt. And and the thing is is that it doesn't all get better. And I have a lot of friends who grew up in that evangelical culture of really believing that God was going to give me my desires and God is going to make everything better and God is going to take away the difficulty and they're no longer in the church. 
uh, they're no longer in any denomination of, of Christian belief because they felt completely and utterly abandoned when things were hard, when things did not go their way, when it felt like they, uh, they couldn't see the hand of God in what they were doing. And so Advent wants to make you uncomfortable. Uh, Advent wants you to realize that it's entirely possible for you to die like the, like the prophets did, like the patriarchs did, without really seeing the fulfillment of what you feel is promised. Now, you and I live on this side of Easter. We live on this side of Christmas. We know that Christ has come, that Christ, that God became man, that he took on uh, our nature so that, that he could redeem us and restore relationship. But even as he's done that already, we are still waiting for the end of all time for all things to be made right. And so we're currently living in a place where not everything is okay. I don't know if you've looked at the news lately uh, with all of the news out of Aleppo and in, in, uh, in Syria, with natural disasters, with wars, everything going on in this world, uh, to realize that it doesn't take much to realize that, that things are a little bit off. And it would be really nice if God would just sweep in and make everything okay. And that's not where we are. Instead, we're in Advent, where we share in the sufferings of those people who were before the coming of Christ, who, who were waiting for the promise, who are waiting for God to come and make everything okay beforehand. Uh, we can now join our sufferings to theirs and say, oh, Oh, I get what it means to wait. I get what it means to hope and to hope not in a, oh gosh, I hope I get this, but really to beg and to long and to, to feel as if you're going to burst if it doesn't work out, to feel on the edge of, uh, of despondency saying, if this doesn't work out, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so that's where we are. The church wants us to be uncomfortable right now, to realize that our only hope is the fact that God became one of us. The fact that God took on our nature, the fact that God is, is willing to be with us in the midst of our suffering. Because Christ wasn't born into to a palace, right? He, he didn't come demanding grandeur and homage. He came in weakness. He came and experienced the suffering that we experience. He experienced the longing that we experience. And so here we are coming to the end of the season of Advent. One more week, we spend time remembering and identifying with those people who are waiting for the first coming of Christ, recognizing that we too are waiting for Christ to come and set all things right with the world. We'll be right back. We're going to talk with Katie Seba. She is the uh, purveyor of CatholicWife.net. It's going to be a great conversation as she talks about her own journey and her own longing. Why don't you join us over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. I want to hear from you. We'll be right back. Back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Oh, great show. I've been, I've actually been waiting for this uh, interview for a long time. I've tried two other times and it just hasn't worked because children 
uh, take a lot of energy and attention and they get sick and they do things that you just don't expect them to do. And uh, our guest today is Katie Seba. She is uh, the purveyor of CatholicWife.net. She's an award-winning columnist for the Diocese of Shreveport, where my cousin is from. She actually used to go to my cousin's church, Father Peter Mangum, there at the cathedral. Uh, and she is a, a blogger, a speaker, a mother, and um, the, the uh, gosh, the, the, the battening down the hatches, keeping everyone uh, sane in their household. Katie, thanks for being here today. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I don't know that I keep everyone sane in the house. I might be the queen of insanity <laughs> in our house. But I appreciate the compliment. That's that's super nice. Thanks so much for having me on, Timothy. I really appreciate it, especially the patience. Yeah, it has taken us a couple goes <laughs> to nail this down. So I'm glad to be here. So let's talk uh, about Advent. Here we are in, this is tomorrow, uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, and as we, as we go through that, we've been going through this progression of realizing uh, in the first week of Advent, that all is not right with the world, which given our the year of 2016 for just about everyone who is alive on the earth uh, is pretty obvious. All is not right with the world. Uh, we, we have um, political tension, not only in the United States, but all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are uh, the, the ongoing and never-ending wars that we have, not only us personally, but then the, the proxy wars where you've got stuff going on in Syria where there's really, you know, some tension between Russia and the United States. But but we're going to pretend it's about Syria. You've got all of these things going on. We recognize all is not right with the world. Uh, week two is all about, hey, but it doesn't have to be that way and repent and all is, all can all can go well. Uh, week three, we have joy where it's like, okay, it's still dark, but it's going to be okay. We're going to have some joy. Uh, and then there's this little, this, this fourth week, which I just, I kind of picture, of course, you're a mom, you, you understand this mm-hmm. analogy I'm about to give. We we're expecting our seventh. Now there's that point, uh, about a third or two thirds of the way through the last trimester where you're like, really, we're not done yet. Seriously. Yes. We're, oh, very familiar with that. With can't, that feeling. Can't we be done now? That's kind of where yeah. we're left with this little bit of of Advent, this fourth week as we are, are awaiting the incarnation and all that that uh, entails. And and I have this, this picture that I've, as I've been thinking about it today of Advent is supposed to be a time where we experience hope. Uh, but I, I see two kinds of, uh, of temptations that take us away from that. Because in order for you to have hope, uh, one, you have to recognize that not everything is okay. So you can't be complacent. Uh, right. Uh, and then second, you have to realize that those things that are not okay can be made okay. So complacency and despair are those two things that can draw us away from hope in the middle. Hope occurs when uh, something is missing, but we have trust and faith that it can be brought to bear. So you told me a little bit about your story, uh, specifically yes. in this season of, of Advent where we're supposed to hope when it's so hard to hope. And it's like, okay, the church is making me pay attention to something that I really don't want to do uh, <laughs> because, you know, either, either I'm joyful, so why do I want to pretend like things are bad? 
Why do I want to identify with the profits? Because I'm happy or mm-hmm. I'm not happy at all. And I don't really see a way out of this. And you want me to hope? What are you talking about? But the church yeah. is drawing us into this. So talk to us about what <laughs> you're going through uh, and, and how Advent is uh, maybe annoying you at the moment. Yeah, I love that. Advent is annoying me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, first, I think one of the most moving quotations I've heard on hope, and I just found it about a month and a half ago. It's a, a quotation by Chesterton, J.K. Chesterton. And he said, hope is the power of being cheerful in circumstances that we know to be desperate. And so it, it, it does, it goes against that complacency that you mentioned because you have to know that your situation is desperate. Right. right? And, uh, but then be cheerful almost in spite of it. Um, the patroness of our family, uh, has, and I feel like she's really become our patroness and, and chosen our family is the image of our lady star of the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's funny, my husband discovered this image about the same time that I discovered this image. And, and, um, I was like, well, we homeschool, let's, let's name our homeschool star of the sea Academy. And so we just kind of fully embraced our lady star of the sea. And the more I, I ask for our lady's intercession, the more I realize that I, I do feel sometimes like we are on a boat in the middle of the sea without any sign of other life or landing. And we have zero control. And if you're familiar with seawater at all, you know that it's, it's, it has its own way of thinking, right? So you go out on the water and you are no longer in, you are no longer master of your domain. And I, I have been in that situation I mean, countless times in my life. I mean, don't we all experience that at some point? Um, Several years ago, I think it was uh, 2011. It was the day before my birthday. It was on January 7th. I got a call from my mom that um, saying that my dad was in the hospital, which I I knew that he was going to be because he had some really bad cough. And, um, And she said he has cancer. Oh, wow. They found, they found cancer on his lung and it wasn't lung cancer. It was melanoma, which is a, a form of skin cancer. So he had a melanoma on his lung and being my whole family, we're all very, very fair skinned. We're all Irish. So we are all super familiar with the different kinds of skin cancers. And, right. and I knew right off the bat, that's the worst one. That's, mm-hmm. that's the worst one. So I, I, I couldn't sleep for days. Um, just out of fear. And initially my, my dad's treatment was going really well. He was Superman. He was getting up at four o'clock every morning and going to the gym and then showing up for chemo. And everyone was like, shoot, like you're the poster child for, for chemo. You're really kicking cancer in the face. It's amazing. And his tests were coming back. The cancer cells were shrinking. We had all kinds of hope. Hey, this is going to be all right. Um, and then it didn't go so well. And in short, in, in 2013, in the fall of 2013, just before his 61st birthday, he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did the best I could prayer wise, you know, praying that knowing that he was going to pass, 
especially as things got worse. So just praying for a happy, holy death, mm-hmm. especially asking the intercession of St. Joseph for that particular intention. Um, praying that he would receive mercy. I prayed a chaplet of divine mercy outside of his room. They say that you should pray at their bedside, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know, yeah. it was just so emotional. So I, I remember going to his room at the hospice place and, and praying this chapel outside of his room. And when he passed away, I actually experienced this huge, like faith high right? For about a month where I was just like, you know what? Heaven or purgatory. My father is no longer suffering. He knows the fullness of God's plan And even though our relationship is going to look a lot different, he can love me better now than he could when he was on earth. And I was just like full of these ideas and hope and this, this certainty and really joy, Mm -hmm. a whole lot of joy in the weeks after his death, which it surprised me. Honestly, it was a grace that I, looking back, I appreciate. I don't know what happened, Yeah, but my faith plummeted. Yeah. I mean, um, I became very angry with the Lord, very angry because the fact of the matter was like so many of us who have loved ones who have faced cancer or any kind of desperate situation, it doesn't have to be illness, but any kind of desperate situation. Um, I, I begged for my dad's life. I, I begged right, and the answer was no. Well, it's, it's the classic psalmist uh, attitude of how long, O oh Lord, will, will you turn your face from us forever? Have yeah, you have you completely forgotten that we were your chosen people? Have you have you now turned your back on us? And, and what did we ever do to deserve this? Right. And I thought, God, like, dearest Lord, and in your infinite wisdom and mercy, like, how could this be part of your plan? Mm-hmm. How could this be part of your plan? You know, my siblings and I losing our beloved father, my mom losing her husband of 37 years. I mean, I, I was just heartbroken. And, and I thought, you know what, I've had enough. Because I begged. And if you're up there, if you really are God, if there is a God at all, then the answer was no. And I don't think I want your plan. So I, I like flat out turned my back against God. It was like a breakup where like <laughs> you like get rid of the pictures. You stop talking to the person. Right. You don't go to the same place where they go anymore. So I like avoided God for, as well as I could. Yeah. Um, a breakup with God. Yeah. That's, so that I broke up. So yeah. when, when we come back, we're going to explore that just a little bit more. We're going to talk about uh, the, the pain that we go through and what the church does, what God does to call us into really experiencing those emotions to their fullness, not just pushing them to the side. Why don't you join our conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. Talk to me about a time that maybe you had a breakup with God, that you've gone through some deep grief, uh, and we'll have a conversation. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you have stayed with us, that you are here and listening. 
Today, we're talking with Katie Seba. She is the, the purveyor of the blog CatholicWife.net. Uh, she, she's a, an author, a speaker, a mother, and, and much more. Uh, just delighted to have her on the show today. And, and so you had a lot going on in your life here recently. Uh, you just made a move from Shreveport, that wonderful land of, of uh, North Louisiana that my whole family mm-hmm. came from. Uh, and now you're in, I guess it's home for you, but gosh, it's so flat. Uh, <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. You know, um, it's not actually, it's not as flat as what people think. Nebraska has a whole lot of rolling hills. Um and there are, I've never seen them, but there are sand hills, <laughs> I think, in western Nebraska. But yeah, so I, I did grow up here, spent eight years in the south, and um, now I'm back in the winter, and it is frigid. Like, I'm not used to this at all. I'm and, such a pansy in the winter now. And the food is just not the same as Louisiana food. You know, it's not the same, and I'm shocked at myself that I do miss southern food. Like, yeah. I, I had a very bland palate going south, but now I'm like, man, did, did I, you need ever, some, I need some extra pepper on this. Did you ever make it over to Ralph and Kaku's? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, it's this wonderful, uh, for everyone that, that lives in uh, in the Shreveport area, it's this wonderful uh, catfish seafood restaurant there in, oh, in Bossier. See, there it is. Yeah, I don't I don't like seafood. I know. it's. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I was actually, I was in Maine um, like a month ago, like on the coast of Maine. We went to this restaurant and I ordered turkey and <laughs> <laughs> because... I mean, I, I can't do lobster bisque. It's just not my taste. So, uh, well, anyway, purgatory will fix that. Palette. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, oh, so we're talking today with Katie Seba. She is uh, at CatholicWife.net. She's a speaker, an author, uh, a mother. And we're talking about Advent really drawing us out and, and it, asking us to participate in emotions that we aren't used to, to giving way to, right? We, we have this throughout the church year. Lent tells us, Hey, even if you're not feeling, uh, you know, the weight of your sins for, for this time, you need to experience the weight of your sins, right? Uh, So it calls us into that. And then we have the same thing with, um, with this, this period and advent of, if you aren't waiting for anything, if you, if you feel like everything is going well, or if you feel like nothing will ever go well again, uh, we want you, the, the church is asking us to come and spend some time in anticipation of something, in hope of something. And so you're right before the break, you were talking to us about this, this tragedy that befell your family and this uh, absolute feeling of desperation to the point where you broke up with God, like a good psalmist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and of course it was a little bit protracted for you. Uh, it didn't f- fix itself in a couple of, maybe yours was like Psalm 119, that really long Psalm. Right. But eventually you came back around. So talk to us, pick up where we left off and bring us back into this story. So I broke up with God and um, and then my life became even more miserable. Right. Because Mm -hmm. that's what it is when you're not talking with Jesus. And um, and I, I got to the point this like horrible, horrible low where I, I just realized that I didn't believe in him anymore. And that was really upsetting to me because my faith has been important to me my whole life. And so I felt like I was losing myself. Right. So I was losing sight of my identity. I was losing sight of my understanding of, 
of the people around me, of my relationships with others. And I remember crying, telling Andrew, my husband, like, I don't think I believe in the Lord anymore. And he goes, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't, I don't know. He said, how did you get here? And I, I don't know. And then I eventually tied it back to breaking up with God. And so he and my spiritual director and my bishop um, all told me that I needed to tell God how I felt mm -hmm. and to allow him because I had shut him out. Right. right. I, and that I needed to be vulnerable and let him into that spot. And I was like, I don't know. And my bishop said, he's big enough. He can handle it. Like, go ahead and like, tell him how you feel. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, I was alone at home and I just full on like had a yelling match, you know, not a match. Cause I didn't hear anything back, but the neighbors I were just, probably just really interested in this. She like, must be what? on the phone with somebody. <laughs> um, so I just, I told God like, no, like, I don't know what, what you're thinking. You know what I wanted. And, and I was just really having a hard time wrestling with this and, um, and still unsure if I wanted to believe in God or not. And, um, so at this point we had three sons and I love my boys, right? Like I am a boy mom and I love it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but there was a part of me where I had always just ached, 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 ached for a little girl, like for, for the longest time. And I remember being in my son's nursery, putting him down for bed and just crying. And, and again, my sons were not inadequate. Right. So right. I love my voice. Um, but I remember looking up at the ceiling and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, I beg you to give me a daughter. Mm -hmm. And if it is not your will, then give me the grace to bear this desire. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, dad, if, if you can intercede for me, help me out. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what to do here. And I felt like praying that was such a risk because I had begged before in my right. life. Right. And the answer had been no. And so I was like, well, here's another deep desire of mine. And here I am coming to, you know, this figure called God again with something that I want. And he's probably going to say no. Um, two months later, I found out I was pregnant, but in my stubbornness and stupidity, I would not thank the Lord. Cause I was like, we don't know if it's a girl. <laughs> right, just, just so stupid. I'm like it's a gift regardless. Just right. say thank you. Um, and a couple of months after that, we found out that it was a girl. Um, and we named her Jane, which means God's gracious gift. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like that name suits her so well because God gave her to us at a time when he did not have to answer my prayer. Cause I had broken up with him and told him that I was no longer mm -hmm. a fan of the plan. Um, so, and even now, you know, she's two. And when I look at her and uh, even just saying her name, like it, I recall the time I recall the low and, um, and her life really, and especially asking for her life by way of my father's intercession. And again, whether he's in purgatory in heaven, I, it's not my place to say, I don't know. Um, but, uh, I have a lot more hope. 
now than I used to. And, you know, God and I are back together. We're good. So, <laughs> that's that's an important out, part of the story. The pictures again, you know. But, you know, th- th- this, uh, this season is calling us uh, to, to anticipate and to allow ourselves to feel the uncertainty and, and the fear and the, the, the risk of hope. Hope is risky. It's easier to put the pictures away and say, I'm done with this. This is, I, I, I'd rather not go through the, the excruciating pain of waiting because there's the possibility that it's not going to work out, right? The, the, the despair is imminent. Uh, and so I, I, I think, and you tell me if you've experienced this, I think it actually takes more work uh, and to, to allow ourselves to hope, to invest in the hope. I don't think that hope is the, the easy way out or uh, the, the cheater's way out, uh, no, getting rid of reality. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I know, I agree. I think in having hope, you're denying the lie of self-reliance. Because mm-hmm. I know that when I'm not in touch with the Lord, when I'm when I'm not hopeful in his will, then I I put my trust in myself you know, and say, well, I'll, I'll handle this. I've got this. And that's such a thing these days, right? I've got this, you know, but wouldn't really, the, it's always in the Lord's hands. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, choosing to look forward to God's plan and, and trusting that there is a plan and it is for our good like that, that is, Sometimes the hardest truth to hold on to. But even the, even the realization that that plan for our good may not be a plan for our pleasure or our happiness. Right. That, that fulfillment, that that good, as Thomas Aquinas would call it with a capital G, isn't necessarily something that we would think of in our modern culture uh, and nomenclature as good. It could be, you know, I, I think of the, the verse everyone knows, Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, I, I know the right. plans I have for you, plans for your good and not for your harm. And he's telling them this as he's sending them away to 70 years of exile. Right. <laughs> so, right. So there, there's this I sense promise that, it'll be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> there's this sense that there, we have to, to, to trust that God is trustworthy, right? That even if we don't necessarily see that, or understand it. This is what the Psalms, the psalmists always did when they were in, in the midst of their despair. Uh, how long will you turn your eyes from us? But I will, I will recall the deeds of the Lord and, and trust in those. And then they go on to praise God for his goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. And my favorite Psalm these days is Psalm 143, just for the verse within that says, I muse on what your hand has wrought. And I think so much hope comes from looking back and seeing with heaven's eyes, how has the Lord sustained me in difficulty? And can I look forward to it? Yes, the Lord is trustworthy. Of course, during Advent, we both look back to the incarnation as we wait for the full redemption of humanity. Remember, we are not only remembering Christmas, but we are recognizing that Christ has come and Christ will come again. We've been talking today with Katie Seba, purveyor of CatholicWife.net. Thanks, Katie, for being here today. Thank you. This has been awesome. Join us over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls on Twitter. The handles at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back.
Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, so glad that you're here. Well, we talked with Katie Seba in the last couple of segments about her breakup with God, uh, about this this feeling of utter helplessness, and uh, talked about how it's harder to to hope than it is just to give up. It's really hard to say, I feel absolutely trapped. I, I feel even a little abandoned. And yet, and yet I'm going to hope. And yet I'm going to really believe that you're out there, God, and that it's going to be okay. I mean, this is, this is hard stuff here, right? Uh, this is what the psalmists do over and over and over again. This is what Job did in the book of Job where he says uh, of the Lord, the, the, one of his friends says, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, this is a guy who's lost his, all of his livelihood, his real estate, his, his children have died and it's hopeless, right? Why don't you curse God and die? And, and it seems like maybe that's a good idea. And Job's response to this is just really stellar. And he says, though, though God slay me, though God absolutely destroy my life, still, I will praise him. And that though he slay me, still, I will praise him. Not because uh, I feel like he's done any wonderful things for me, but because he, over the course of history, is trustworthy. Because he, over the course of history, is worthy of praise. Therefore, as much as I'm not really a fan of what's going on, uh, I'll praise him. And so that's where that's where uh, Katie got to herself. Uh, I've been there a number of times. Gosh, I can't even begin to tell you um, how many times I've been in a place where I just felt absolutely abandoned. And yet, just like the psalmist, I turned my attention and said, but God, you've done this before. You have, uh, you have a history bigger than me of providing for those who fear you. And so I'm going to do this. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust in you. And uh, I tell you, I've walked some hard roads and I've, I've felt alone on those hard roads. And yet even so, God is faithful. And, and I can say that with uh, unshakable conviction uh, that though, though he slay me, I can say with Job, still I will praise him. And that's where we are in this season of Advent is being made to wait a little bit longer. Just when you feel like you've reached the 12th hour and you feel like God has to come through or this is not going to work. That's where we are. That's where the, the people of the Old Testament were. That's, that's where we find ourselves often. And God says, I know that you feel like you're done, but you can wait. And we're almost there and you'll see my redemption. You know, I'm reminded of this story. This is completely not planned. I'm reminded of the story of uh, Daniel, where Daniel fasted f- for three weeks, for 21 days. And uh, finally, the, the angel comes to him. The angel Michael comes to him and says, I was, uh, I was dispatched to you the very first day that you started praying. And I was prevented from coming to you, but I'm coming to give you this message now. And then I've got to go back and finish what I started. Uh, but I wanted you to know that the, the answer is coming, right? And so here, you know, you, you feel like you've waited as long as you can wait. You feel like there's no more. And yet, and yet God is, is already working on your behalf to, to see the redemption that he's promised. 
So let's take a look at our readings from scripture and from church history. And I, and I love what the church is giving us here on this fourth Sunday, uh, because here on this fourth Sunday uh, of, of Advent, the church is showing us the last stages, this, this, uh, this uncomfortable bit of waiting just right at the end. And we've got the gospel of Matthew, uh, where the angel comes to, to Joseph. And it says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife into his home. And here's this picture that God has begun already providing for the means to redeem uh, the children of Israel, to redeem not only them, but the whole world to himself. He's already gone through these steps to alleviate their waiting. And in the midst of this, there's just a few last hiccups, right? There's a few things that it's like God is in the midst of working and yet something still needs to be done, right? So he is, uh, God has worked and he is brought about through Mary's willingness, through her fiat, through her saying, let it be done according to thy will, let it be done unto me according to thy will. We have God's plan working itself out. And now God's got to make sure that it actually all works out the way it's supposed to, just like we have in the story of Daniel where, oh, well, there was a, there was a snag that, so that took a little longer than I was expecting, right? So now the angel comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, this is, this is important. And this is going to be okay. And this doesn't feel right. And it, it, this is uh, frightening. This is many things. You know, church fathers have all kinds of opinions about what Joseph must have been feeling. And yet, uh, Joseph was obedient. And Joseph was trusting in hope that God was going to make things work out okay. And so I think we have to have that same mindset that Mary did of saying, let it be done to me according to thy will. That same mindset that Joseph did when he did all that the, the Lord had commanded him. And that's something to, to really meditate on. What is God asking me to do here as I contemplate, as I, uh, as I spend time in prayer during this fourth week of Advent, as I approach Christmas? What am I being asked to do? And do I have the obedience and the willingness to say, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Well, our reading from church history today comes from uh, the letter to uh, Diognetus. And it's a beautiful letter. Uh, God has revealed his love through his son. Uh, this is from today's breviary reading, uh, well, from tomorrow's breviary reading from the fourth Sunday of Advent. And it says this, No man has ever seen God or known him, but God has revealed himself to us through faith, by which alone it is impossible to see him. God, the Lord and maker of all things, who created the world and set it in order, not only loved man, but was also patient with him, 
So he has always been and is and will be kind, good, free from anger, truthful. Indeed, he and he alone is good. He devised a plan, a great and wonderful plan, and shared it only with his son. As long as he preserved this secrecy and kept his own wise counsel, he seemed to be neglecting us, to have no concern for us. But when, through his beloved son, he revealed and made public what he had prepared from the very beginning, he gave us all at once gifts such as we could never have dreamt of, even sight and knowledge of himself. When God had made all his plans in consultation with his son, he waited until a later time, allowing us to follow our own whim, to be swept along by unruly passions, to be led astray by pleasure and desire. Not that he was pleased by our sins. He only tolerated them. Not that he approved of that time of sin. He was planning this era of holiness. When we had been shown to be undeserving of life, his goodness was to make us worthy of it. When we had made it clear that we could not enter God's kingdom by our own power, we were to be enabled to do so by the power of God. When our wickedness had reached its culmination, it became clear that retribution was at hand in the shape of suffering and death. The time came then for God to make known his kindness and power. How immeasurable is God's generosity and love. He did not show hatred for us or reject us or take vengeance. Instead, he was patient with us, bore with us, and in compassion took our sins upon himself. He gave his own son as the price for our redemption the Holy One to redeem the wicked, the sinless One to redeem sinners, the just One to redeem the unjust, the incorruptible One to redeem the corruptible, the immortal One to redeem mortals. For what else could have covered our sins but His sinlessness? Where else could we, wicked and sinful as we were, have found the means of holiness except in the Son of God alone? How wonderful a transformation, how mysterious a design, how inconceivable a blessing. The wickedness of many is covered up in the Holy One, and the holiness of one sanctifies many sinners. That beautiful reading comes from a letter to Diognetus, and that's what we've been talking about today. Sometimes it feels as though we have been absolutely abandoned and neglected, and yet God is already working on our behalf. And uh, if you're in the midst of that time, hold out a little bit longer trust in the church, spend some time exercising hope because God is already working on your behalf. It may not look the way that you expected it to, but he's working on your behalf. Well, that's all the time we have for this week, but don't forget my Christmas list. Uh, leave a review on the podcast, leave a review on the Breadbox Media app and become a friend of the show for all of the great content you can receive there. Go on over to Outside the Walls to catch the archives or go to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Our Twitter handle is at Outside the Walls to keep this conversation going all week long. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.